Welcome to the Go To Thrive Podcast, the place to inspire people in the workplace and go to thrive. Mary Jane Roy and Vivian Aqua want to make happiness the new norm and offer solutions to create higher engagement in the workplace. Our Go To Thrive Podcast guest today is Lisa Dempsey. Lisa is a leadership coach passionate about connecting leadership, culture, and innovation. Her caption on LinkedIn reads Thrive. So she's in the right place to share her thoughts on this topic today. Welcome, Lisa. Please do share something about who you are and also share something about what people wouldn't find out on your LinkedIn profile, especially why you do what you do. Hi, ladies. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of this conversation with both of you. Um, yeah, something that people probably wouldn't know or guess about me based upon my LinkedIn profile is I, I have a terrible sweet tooth. I love candy and sweets and sugar. It's, it's a terrible weakness, but hey, it, it's a part of who I am. <laughs> um, why it is that I do what I do is I am genuinely passionate about people. I believe in the, the power of people and their unique gifts and talents and the magic that happens when those things are awakened. Uh, so I really love spending my, my life and my time and energy on empowering people to live, love, and lead out loud with courageous authenticity and helping individuals and teams as well as entire organizations figure out how to bring that to life. Nice, Lisa. Thank you. Lisa, a quote from an article you wrote, artificial intelligence won't replace HR people, but HR people who use artificial intelligence will replace those who don't. Why is it important for thriving workplaces and especially HR teams to become more digital? It's the future is the simple answer. Um, I think there is enough evidence out there now to, to support the absolute fact that we are in the digital age and there is no going back. So the technology is going to continue to advance. It's going to continue to come into our lives in new and surprising ways. And it will probably continue to bring along all of the complexities and paradoxes that we currently see, some places where it really helps us and other places where it causes more trouble than we expected. Um, it's important for I would say not only HR people, HR is my background, so that, that's an area that I'm more deeply familiar with than others, but everybody needs to become familiar with technology and, and this crazy VUCA digital world that we live in, in order to continue to stay relevant. Um, if you don't, it's going to be a big struggle to at least have enough information in order to make informed decisions. This doesn't mean everybody needs to become a software engineer or a coder or a data analyst, but at least understanding what it's about and understanding what's going on. Uh, so you can make informed decisions about what you want to do and what you want your impact to be is going to be of paramount importance going forward. Yeah, I, I, 
I, it, you're right, and I think this is something that we're hearing uh, considerably uh, more and more of. Uh, certainly at you know symposiums and conventions dealing with HR, eh, unleash uh, that those kinds of. Um, th there's always a huge component of digital. Uh, focused on the HR world. So yeah, it, it's there and it's going to stay there and we need to know how to how to utilize it as you say. Can yeah. you maybe, oh sorry, can you maybe share some examples what kind of, not as per se the tools, but what kind of area in, within HR uh, the tools will be uh, efficient for HR? There are so many opportunities for whether it be artificial intelligence or just simple, straightforward automation or even better use of data uh, that can be leveraged within the, the HR domain. Uh, one of which is recruitment. Uh, there's already a lot of evidence that introducing some of the artificial intelligence and, and algorithms into a recruitment process can help remove some unconscious bias. Now, there's some controversy because there's, of course, the idea that because algorithms are written by people and everybody holds unconscious bias, there's a little bit of it that's automatically encoded in that. But there, there has been some research, I think Citibank ran one of the largest test cases where they were able to, to scientifically prove that actually there was a better diversity of candidates that were put forward from a first round of screening and interviews because of artificial intelligence. So that's a huge win, you know, and, and, a, and a definite area of development that can be a, a, a tremendous help. Um, all of the regular routine work, you know, the, the keeping track of records and information, answering those simple questions about what is the vacation policy or what is the sickness policy. Um, there are already some companies that are using technology like chatbots to find quick, efficient, and intelligent ways of interacting with employees. There's still room for improvement. Um, you know, I, I would never claim that all of the human touch needs to be taken out of human resources, but it is a huge area um, where there's a lot of great potential development. You know, it, it's just like everything. Take away that very boring, very routine, repetitive work that isn't engaging for people. Find a way to automate it. Find a way to make those interactions um, attractive and engaging still to the people who need to use those services, but take that boring work off of the desk of, of intelligent human beings. Um, and the last one that I'll mention is really using employee um, feedback and data. What traditionally went into engagement surveys, now there's a huge amount of information that points to survey fatigue and a lot of employees not liking those surveys because they continually give their feedback and information and feel nothing is done with it. And that frustration is very real. Um, that doesn't mean that that data is unusable. It just means that HR needs to figure out how to better use that data and how to actually make that leap from data and just straightforward facts and figures into building actually an engaging narrative 
where solutions can actually be found. It's at the end of the day, we remain people and we like storytelling. So HR needs to better learn how to use that data and information and translate that into stories that can really impact the way people work together. I love, I love the, the last thing that you added regarding uh, storytelling, especially when it comes to data. It can be a bit boring to look at a PowerPoint presentation and see just only figures, whereas you can share an example of a story where you can bring people maybe to the, another level, to a next level where you can encourage them. So thank you for adding that factor in. Yeah, well, we need it in order to really understand the impact of what all of those facts and figures mean. The narrative has to be present. Definitely. And, and it has to have an effect in the organization. You can't just talk about it, but they actually have to implement what's needed. Yeah, absolutely. But it's so much easier to take action when there's a clear narrative as opposed to here's a bunch of numbers and graphs and charts and you make up your own story about what it means and what we should do about it. it when there's that story and that narrative woven into it, the action becomes so much easier and more tangible. Yeah. Great examples, Lisa. Lisa, what do courage, curiosity, and connection have to do with leadership? For me, those are the foundations and the building blocks. Um, it's the model of leadership that I have built uh, based upon my years of experience and the leadership coaching methodology that I use with my clients. Um, it starts with courage, the courage to know yourself, to understand what you need, to let your voice be heard, let yourself be seen, and the courage to let go of having to know because we live in this crazy VUCA world where change is the only constant. We need to let go of this idea of having to know things before we act. When you have the courage to let go of that knowing, you can step into the place of curiosity. So that's the second building block. And that's about getting really curious about what's going on, uh, what your impact is on the world, what's going on with the people around you, what is their impact, and what it is that you can co-create together. And that leads to the last building block of connection. When you are connected to yourself, who you are, what you need to thrive, what those around you need and what their gifts and talents are and the places where they thrive, there's a magic that happens of, of genuine connection where you can create more with, oh, sorry, my dog is making some noise. <laughs> I didn't hear him. Oh, no, okay. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's digging in his bed to make himself comfortable. Mika, sit down. Um, so I'll, I'll go back to connection. <laughs> Uh, so that leads to connection, and that is that magical place where you are connected to yourself, you're aware of the things that you need to be able to thrive, you're connected to the people around you and have an awareness of who they are, what their gifts and talents and the places where they thrive are, and you can bring those together 
to genuinely create a, a sum total that is greater than its parts. And I think that's what most people in organizations really long for. That's why we come together and work in groups and, and form companies and organizations, um, teams, because we want to be able to do more together with a group of people. And so often we miss that. You know, we lack that connection. We lack the awareness and we lack the courage to raise our hands and say, hey, I have something great that I want to do, but I don't know how to get there. Or I'm not sure what's going on. Can somebody help me? So for me, those are the building blocks of, of really stepping into to leadership um, and to lead yourself to great things. When you're talking about leadership, can you share with us your definition of leadership? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I, I won't pretend to have some sort of entirely brand new definition of leadership, um, but for me, my purpose is to empower everyone to be able to live, love, and lead their lives out loud. It's called leading our life for a reason. Um, when you're able to lead yourself and you're able to connect to other people, that is the place where you are able to unleash all of that great potential and talent. Um, that is the space of leadership for me. Um, when you are able to be really purposeful and clear and conscious about your impact, where you want to go, and have the courage to take pause and take a break when you need to, to reflect and ask the hard questions, get curious and investigate the things that are important. Um, that's where leadership lives, when you, you are aware of your, your impact and it's a conscious choice. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to the next question and I'm thinking, I wonder if you've just answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyway because maybe you'll have a different, a different take on it. Sure. We've got so many labels for leadership, effective leadership and servant leadership and authentic leadership and it goes on and on. Um, in your view, what are the common denominators that bind those who lead thriving teams and organizations? Gosh, the common denominators are, for me, really rooted in the, the courage, curiosity, and connection. People who are able to embrace those, those fundamental baseline pieces um, and hold space for them, stay true to them. Those are the common denominators. I think, unfortunately, you know, you're, you're so right, Mary Jane, there are so many different brands of leadership, kinds of leadership, labels of leadership. And I think, unfortunately, on, on a very broad scale, most of our most commonly known uh, leadership paradigms are falsehoods. They are not things that serve us. Um, it was funny, when I first became a leadership coach, I really hesitated in calling myself a leadership coach, not because of doubt in my own abilities, but because this word leadership elicits so many ideas. You know, these, these things that come from media and film about great, big, powerful, tyrannical leaders who they're not actually leading. 
you know, they're, they're dictating, they're demanding, they are fear mongers, they are power mongers. This is not what leadership is about. Um, but we're filled with those ideas. Or it, people go immediately to the idea of, oh, it's the C-suite. That's leadership because it's become so common in corporations that they call the, the highest level of hierarchy leaders. Leadership has nothing to do with hierarchy. Leadership is outside of hierarchy. Um, and that's a falsehood that we need to explore and, and learn more about how to break that down. Well said. Thank you. There was another answer there. There was, yeah. <laughs> this, this makes me so curious about how, what can we do to change that perspective, change that, um, that vision that we have when you look at uh, the film, uh, the, the Wolf on Wall Street. It's always a male, always dominant. Uh, and displaying all sorts of really unpleasant behavior. Yes. Let's not forget that. Yes. True, <laughs> true, true. What can we do to change that? Gosh, I'm, I'm so curious about that question as well. If I, if I had the answer, my goodness, I, I would uh, be loving life and, and ready to retire. Um, for me, it really starts with creating a, a sense of awareness having conversations like these, um, sharing our stories, spreading the ideas uh, that are really valuable, and continuing to challenge that status quo. It's so easy for people to confuse leadership and management, and they are two completely separate entities. You know, I think back to the conversation uh, that Bob Chapman had at Niterota University that Mary Jane and I attended together some months ago, uh, where he said, you know, I, he's the CEO of a company, brought his company through really rough times with some really amazing collaborative measures. And he said, you know, I learned management. I never learned leadership. And it really genuinely is an entirely different animal. Um, so continuing to, to remind people that and challenge them when they are confusing management measures with genuine leadership uh, and ask the hard questions. He said, do you remember also that he, he asked the audience who here likes to be managed and right. not, there were hundreds of people in this auditorium, not one hand went up. Who here likes to be supervised? Not one hand went up. They have nothing to do with leadership. Absolutely not, no. And, and they are counterproductive to genuine leadership. Um, you know, companies spend a tremendous amount of time, effort, and money to acquire the best talent in their field. And then they immediately make the same mistake over and over again of taking that talent and parking them in a corner and telling them to wait and do as they're told. Smart, intelligent people do not thrive in those environments. We need to have a sense of autonomy, a sense of belonging, and a sense of being able to contribute to something that is bigger than ourselves. And you can't do that 
when you are sidelined and told to wait. Isn't that also, sorry, isn't that also one of the reasons why um, people are blaming or are saying that millennials are very, um, um, that the millennials are the cause of people standing up for themselves now, which I'm very happy of. But in a way, it's also causing uh, a friction in the war for talent. Yeah, it's so funny. I, I love this idea that millennials are somehow different and, you know, all, all of these horrible labels that they get slapped with, you know, snowflakes and unmanageable millennials and, and things like that. Um, I don't know that they actually bring anything that different than previous generations. I think what is different is A, they have more possibilities thanks to our digital age and thanks to the accessibility of so much knowledge and information and technology, they no longer have to just get a job to pay the bills. They have more freedom of choice than previously and they are empowered and, and less willing to compromise. I think previous generations, they had all of the same needs, they had all of the same desires, but weren't in such an empowered position to be able to say, no, I don't find this acceptable. And I think that's, that's the bitter pill that a lot of organizations are faced with. Uh, but I think it's a good thing. I think it, it is a really powerful awakening because anybody would have a really hard time convincing me that somebody in their 50s, 60s, or 70s has fundamentally different needs than a millennial does. They, we're just not in the position to be able to challenge it the way that people are now. True, I believe you, thank you. <laughs> I'm also curious about who you see as a role model for leadership and why? Oh gosh, there's so many you know, really great role models. Um, I tend to shy away though from, from really naming you know, specific names because for me it's not about people um, and, and one particular set of behaviors. Um, and I think actually that's something that leads to a lot of these false paradigms about leadership. We like to put people on a pedestal and then somehow hold them to a standard that is greater than us and a standard of perfection that doesn't exist. <laughs> everybody is a human being and everybody makes mistakes. Uh, you know, I think that there are some really great leadership behaviors that we have seen in, in various people. You know, Nelson Mandela, obviously, he was a, a fantastic and, and powerful leader who is able to elicit a lot of change. Um, he's not perfect. He's human. He made a lot of mistakes along the way as well. Um, there are a, a number of other people that, you know, I, I could choose to name, but again, I don't attach leadership to specific names. It's more the behaviors, you know, the, the behaviors, the, the people like, um, you know, Barack Obama, who, again, very human, made plenty of mistakes, uh, but at the same time brought about a, a lot of change, challenged a lot of status quos and was able to, even in times of, of challenge and even in the face of his own mistakes, um, 
remain really human. Behaviors like that, I think, are what we need to start calling out uh, in terms of leadership, as opposed to names or legacies, dynasties, uh, because it really is about the behaviors and how people choose to react to particular situations, as opposed to a single model. Um, there are leadership moments <laughs> uh, that I think we, we see throughout history. I don't think that there is one single human being who has consistently been able to embody great leadership perfectly. It, it doesn't exist. No, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Uh, although I think the examples that you gave just now are really, are really good ones. But yeah, it comes down to the, the leadership moments in a person's life, doesn't it? Yeah. moments yeah this tiny you know nanoseconds of of decisions that you get to make how am i going to respond in this situation and when you choose to embody you know the, those pillars of courage curiosity and connection there's a whole realm of possibilities that that open up that um are easily forgotten otherwise mm -hmm. On the flip side, Lisa, uh, I had to have to think, could we easily point fingers, and we won't do that, as to really uh, great examples of bad leadership, toxic leadership? <laughs> sure. There, 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 are, there are, is an abundance of examples of toxic leadership. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the funny thing is, is throughout my career, and, and particularly when I was in corporate HR and, and bombarded with lots of examples of poor leadership, lots of examples of poor performance, and lots of, you know, that frustration that abounds in organizations about why aren't things working better? Why are we struggling so much? Why, why can't people just do what they need to do? <laughs> You know, these questions that people bang their heads against their brick wall about. Um, and particularly when people would come to me, you know, HR is usually uh, the, the first door that they come knocking on when there is a performance issue. Somebody isn't thriving in their role and they want to demand a fix. I would remind people that Nobody shows up in their role to do a bad job. Nobody wakes up on any given day and says, I want to make a variety of mistakes today. I want to do my job poorly today. These are not choices that anybody makes. Um, they, can, they are circumstances that are very real, uh, but it's usually because of something else that is going on uh, People are not aware of their impact and they are making choices that maybe are not serving them and serving the people around them. But nobody wakes up and says, you know what, today I want to do a really crap job. And I think that's true as well of a lot of the very poor leadership examples that we see. People don't know what they don't know. Uh, and that's why I think it's so important to continue to raise the awareness and challenge people when they do make poor leadership decisions 
ask the hard questions and find out how we can help them become better leaders. I agree. As long as the work environment is a safe space where you can give feedback to a leader, because a lot of leader, there are also a lot of leaders who don't want to hear their feedback. They see their the feedback as an attack on their personal role. Absolutely, absolutely. That's such a great point. You know, my my first challenge in a situation like that is those people are not leaders. <laughs> Let's stop calling them leaders. If you're not able to create an environment where there is psychological safety, where people can ask questions, they can share feedback. Um, and this isn't about attacking people. Nobody responds well to, to attacks. It's a very natural human response to get defensive when attacked. There should always be space for questions to be asked. Um, and, and challenges to be raised. Anybody who is not contributing to an environment where there's psychological safety isn't a leader. So Lisa, what is your vision of the future for thriving workplaces, workspaces? Gosh, thrive is such a, such a big concept. Um, and I don't think that there's a single formula or recipe for it. Uh, but my, my vision for the future is workplaces and spaces and ways where people can genuinely work together in a collaborative way. Uh, collaboration brings about so much more than competition. Uh, and it's hard work to stay in the realm of possibility. Doesn't always mean staying positive. When things get hard, you can be very real and honest about how hard things are. But dwelling in that space of hope and possibility rather than fear, it's hard work. Um, but sticking with it and staying there is something that will bring our, our workplaces and spaces so much more than shying away from it. Um, I would hope that, that more and more organizations would continue to go down this, this path of finding the space where they thrive um, and going on their own journey of discovery to find out what it is that works for them, what is their unique combination of things that they need to thrive as a group of people and continue to work hard to bring that to life. Thank you. Is there one last thought? We what you would like to share with our audience? For me, the, really the bottom line is uh, about people being empowered to live, love, and lead their lives out loud. That is the genuine place of thrive. You know, when you can be your true, authentic, grounded self and make conscious choices that contribute to your own place of thrive and well-being, that's the place where more possibilities open up and you can make a larger contribution. Uh, that's my wish for everyone. Thank you, Lisa, for sharing really valuable tips, thoughts about what it takes for organizations to help employees thrive. We're having to deal with, with a lot of challenges and especially in this digital era, era 
uh, to the listeners. If you have any questions and comments about this episode, share them with us on LinkedIn. And thank you for listening. And until the next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Go to Thrive Podcasts. Empower people to be happy before, during, and after work.